Vocalo Radio, Chicago's Urban Alternative, Nudia in the Afternoon, here with you. I have a special guest in the studio right now. Let me do a, a little introduction, okay? Uh, he has 12 million monthly listeners on Spotify, 1.8 million followers on Instagram. Opening for Boni Vare this August, a U.S. arena tour this fall for his Indian film music. His uh, NPR Tiny Desk did some really great numbers with us. Um, here is uh, his, he is uh, talking about his new English language album that is coming out next Friday, Siddharth. I do have Sid Shriam here with us. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Good. How's it going with you? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. I mean, I've been seeing, I mean, it, it was kind of trending. I feel like a lot of th things you do on the internet do trend and they do a lot of really big numbers. Sure. And I feel like your tiny desk was kind of a big talking point for us because we are an NPR music station. Yeah. And seeing, uh, I love seeing the production of tiny desks, the way people decide to musically open it, you know, and, and I saw the way that you opened it. I would love to talk about like the production when you're getting ready to put something together and sure. getting your set list and how much time does that take? Like how much work and care does that involve? It it takes a lot of care for sure. Um, for our tiny desk, I performed like four, yeah, four songs off off this album, Siddharth. Um, and at that time, only one of the songs had released, Do the Dance. Everything else was unreleased. Um, so really that tiny desk was like the first time people were going to listen to this music. So I was especially... Um, just like thoughtful about how I wanted to present everything and uh, you know we did new arrangements of the songs and the biggest thing that we had to spend time on because it's a, just an actual office and a real desk that you're performing at there's, so there's like we wonder about that <laughs> yeah yeah so it's like there's no there's amplification there's no sound stage it no, isn't, it isn't fake it's just it's, it's really just a, a desk. straight up desk in an office <laughs> so and I had like two drummers two background vocalists a whole band there's a lot of us so the main thing we had to focus on is how to keep our volume down so we could all hear each other um, so we had like intense rehearsals three days leading up to like heading to DC to shoot that but um um, the shoot itself, the performance there was so much fun, so it really paid off. And what is like the the comments that stand out to you? Because of course, something like that gets like hundreds, of, tens of thousands of retweets, hundreds of comments. Like, have you seen something that's really like touched you that fans have said? Like, what kind of feedback really like gets to you? Sure, I, I think there's like three streams uh, of like comments that really kind of hit me. Um, my career kind of started in 2011. I put out this, like I was putting out covers and original music on YouTube. I was at, I went to Berklee College of Music in Boston. So while I was in college, I was releasing stuff and I have a cover of Frank Ocean song, We All Try, that really kind of blew up back then. And I got this like cult, very small, but intense fan base based off of that stuff from back then. Um, and one of the sets of comments I got on this tiny desk was, yo, I haven't seen this dude since 2011. Since the um, Frank Ocean since cover. Since the Frank Ocean cover, mm. but like, it's amazing to see him now doing this, you know? So that was really cool because it felt like a full circle reconnect to fans who haven't really seen me on the scene in a minute now. Um, the second was, uh, you know, I'm a South Asian, I'm Indian. And uh, there's a bunch of comments of people that are just like full of pride to see someone from India or South Asia being on this platform because um, we don't normally get showcased or seen in popular culture in the West. Um, 
So there's a lot of just like I think like there's one comment that is like the top comment has a, a ton of likes on it and is just basically talking about the fact that this is really putting on for for our culture uh, and that meant a whole bunch to me because um you know i i think i'm an ambassador of where i come from and the goal is always to really put on so to know that that was happening was great and the third thing was just i make music that i feel like is meant for healing um, that really kind of touches on these deep kind of existential questions or thought processes that I have. And there's a whole bunch of people who had no idea of who I was before Tiny Desk. And that was their point of discovery. And it was just a lot of profound comments of of healing and, and really kind of feeling something deep um, from watching this. So I would say like those three kind of streams probably really touched me. I love that. I love that the, the representation. I do want to ask you a little bit more about that. But it's so funny on YouTube. There's a, a vocal coach. It has like 800,000 views. A vocal coach reacting to your Frank Ocean cover. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Have you really? Yeah, it was it. so He's like, take us to church. <laughs> I was like, he was like really loving it. And so it, so you actually watch those things. Every so when I get like the ones that get really popular that I get tagged on mm -hmm. when I have like an off air sometime I'll, I'll click and see what people are saying um, and that same person who reacted to that had reacted to another video of mine from before where I'm singing in my traditional Indian style mm -hmm. um, so it was cool that he got both perspectives like the soul music but also the Indian classical stuff and that's the Carnatic? Carnatic, yeah. Carnatic yeah. music? Yeah. Um, and, you know, speaking of trending videos, I saw this one and I wanted to play a little clip of it for our listeners because they had you sing SZA Supermodel. Oh, yeah. In th that style. Yeah. So here's a, a little clip for you guys to hear. Leave me lonely for more stable men, no. You know I need too much attention for shit like that. You know you wrong feel like that. I could be a supermodel if you believe. If you see it in me, see it in me, see it in me. I could be a supermodel if you believe. If you see it in me, see it in me. I, I could be a supermodel, supermodel. I, I mean, <laughs> bars, bars. I mean, it, it was so cool to hear that they had you. They played a game with you where you did renditions of pop songs. Yeah, yeah. In your own style. Yeah, yeah. And so that was really cool to experience. And that got, again, that got a ton of views as well online. Yeah, yeah. What would a collaboration with you and SZA look like? Sid oh. and SZA that has a ring to it. I think that'd be awesome. She's <laughs> one of my favorite artists. Um, that song specifically always really hit um, the latest album as well. Uh, but I'm a fan. It'll happen. One or two years. Okay, I love that. Yeah. I mean, yo, do not put out a breakup song because that will be the the hardest breakup song. It'll probably be a breakup it, song and it'll probably be like really set the tone uh, for sure. Like I'm going to call off work that day. Like I'm going to be like, y'all, I cannot. I am unwell. I cannot come in. Okay. <laughs> I, and I did want to talk to you about, you know, we were talking about the reception and the representation of your music. And for those that don't know, you had a very flourishing career in the Bollywood scene mm -hmm. in India doing music. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I was wondering, was it difficult to kind of decide to still want that type of mainstream fame in America? You know, when you're already doing so successful out of the States. Yeah, um, you know, ultimately it, it boiled down to a creative kind of need for me. Um, mm. So the work I do in India, which is still going on now, is, is I sing for films over there. Um, mainly in the language of Tamil and Telugu, which is Southern Indian languages, and um, the the I'm, it's a playback singer. That's like the title that I have over there. So I sing compositions composed by someone else, written by someone else, um, but for movies, uh, and it's been beautiful. It's just afforded me this incredible fan base. Uh, my first like big big song came out in 2016, after which I started living there like eight months out the year. So it also allowed me the opportunity to really kind of like properly dig in and form my own roots in the country I was born in. I, I was born there in 1990, but we moved to the U.S. in 91. When you were three, right? When I was so one. Like, oh, when yeah. you were one, you were like yeah, a little yeah. baby. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't my decision, but um, <laughs> I'm happy. There. But, uh, yeah, and... Um, it's been a it's been a decade of, of that and it's been beautiful fan base is amazing we do really big shows um but during the pandemic you know everything shut down i was back locked down in the bay with my parents and had to really reassess um what my connection to music is you know you become a celebrity in one part of the world and you enjoy that kind of fame it's amazing but sometimes it also takes you away from the source of of what why you're passionate about uh, an art form um so yeah during pandemic we never knew if we were going to perform again or what the future held so it really kind of forced me to go back and dig deep into my why like why do i love music so much what about it makes me feel fulfilled and when i did that i realized i've loved my career thus far in india and i'm always going to do that but i also really needed to make my own personal artistic statement um and serendipitously while i was kind of coming to that realization i i uh met this producer from minneapolis his name is ryan olson um very randomly he's kind of like in the cut on social media but we connected and around like May or June 2021, I, I made my first trip out there. I'd never been to Minneapolis before. The Midwest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, y'all got something crazy over here, man. This part of the country, like I've spent most of my time on the coasts. Um, but I first trip over there and really changed my life. There's a lot of creativity, a lot of talent. Yeah, Midwest. and without the ego um, yeah. was what I realized. Like the... I went there with zero expectations. I was honestly kind of like, I don't know. My dad manages me and he's like, yo, go see what's going on in the Midwest. I'm sure there's a different energy over there. So I made the trip. Um, Ryan was awesome. He introduced me to Justin Vernon of Bon Iver, like the first day I was there. And those next three days we just spent in Ryan's studio, um, like six or seven of us just making music without any like expectation, no ego, just everyone was so happy to be in a room with each other making music collaboratively. And over the next eight months, we made this album, Siddharth. Um, and it just, it hit me like a creative wave and a momentum that I couldn't really deny, you know? So when that, something like that happens, it really feels like a gift from God. Um, so I was like, all right, this is, this is what I'm doing now. And I've just been kind of following that fun compass soon thereafter. I signed with Def Jam and um, here we are now. I love that. And, and we did play um, before we started this interview. We played your track the hard way. Yeah. And so we want to get into another track by you. Dear Sahana, could you let us know a little bit about this song and yeah. introduce it and we'll go into it? Sure. Yeah. This is one of my favorite songs off the album. Um, it's really a song about... Uh, 
tapping back in with love and and that energy within yourself um it's special to me for various reasons but at the end of the song my mother who's my music teacher and has a school in the bay area her children's choir comes in at the very end in this super special moment um so yeah uh, i'm sid sviram and you're now going to listen to dear sahana Chicago's only urban alternative and only NPR music station in the city, Nudia in the afternoon, here with you. We do have a special guest in the studio, Sid uh, Shiram, here with us. Hello. And so we just heard your song, Dear Sahana, Mm -hmm. and uh, one of our interns, Amani, was saying that, of course, a lot of people do know that song because it did blow up on TikTok as well. Yeah, yeah. So what was that like? Like, I mean... A TikTok app. You know, if you're not like 19, you're like, uh, how does this work? Like having your songs blow up like with these, you know, kids like making it viral and stuff. Yeah. So it was actually the clip of this song from Tiny Desk. Um, So it was like maybe like a week after Tiny Desk came out where um, my young guys who who helped me out with my digital... (laughs) I yeah, gotta make so note, you know what I mean? You need so, them around. You need the young kids around. Oh, they're so savvy, man. But um <laughs> so they were we we had posted up three clips from uh from Tiny Desk and there's one specific clip from the Sahana performance um that just like immediately took off. And um the the thing that I saw, like the the point of resonance was a lot of specifically South Asian women, but also just generally women of color. Um, resonating with the fact that a name like Sahana, which is an Indian name, mm. existed in this way in a contemporary, like, pop-leaning English song, which they'd never seen before. Um, I think, like, one of the comments was, like, this is our version of, like, Hey There, Delilah, you know? Oh, my gosh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And that, uh, when I was writing the song, we weren't thinking about, like, marketing it or none of that. It was just very much, For the like, love. Yeah. yeah. We were in this, like, creative, like, wave and the song kind of wrote itself to be honest um but when i saw that kind of it i saw it having that impact again going back to the representation it was just such a affirming thing for me because it i i love that you know i think um there's one specific video of a mom and her daughter her daughter's name is sahana the mom is playing the song for her that clip for her and then her eyes just light up in this magical way when the name like that part hits of the song and I was like yo this is really special and again we didn't do it with the intention of having some stuff like that happen it was really actually honestly organic and um once I saw that it just it meant a whole lot to me and we were gonna release actually the hard way that was our next single but once we saw this song having that moment we're like let's let's give people this song uh and we made a video that basically in a very simple um, but beautiful way showcased South Asian women of different age groups, different backgrounds. Um, my mom was in it. And oh, I love that. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was directed uh, by this incredible director. Her name is Thanama Mahotra, uh, and she's an Indian woman 
incredible director, but the energy in the space that day when we shot, it just really matched the kind of spirit of the song, and it was very wholesome and really fulfilling, and there's a lot of joy. Um, my, I think my dad was telling me the other day, but like a, a group of people that we rarely see represented is Indian and South Asian women specifically. We do see men sometimes more and more, but um, and for this song to become a mechanism for representation in that way means a lot to me for sure i love that especially you know growing up if you can't find your your name on a keychain you know like one of those things and then hearing it in a song that that is really beautiful Mm. and i was going to ask you because you know again your your parents brought your family here from india and i feel like you know sometimes when that happens there's certain expectations sure like did did they support your music oh yeah so my my mom started teaching me so we moved to the to the bay in 91 um she started her carnatic vocal music school there in 92 so i've been and my grandfather was a musician um on, on her side. So I've been like kind of surrounded by music my whole life. And I started singing when I was three. Um, that's when my mom, I guess, like, kind of started teaching me. A lot of it was me just picking it up by ear. And that was also when I, f- I performed on stage for the first time when I was three. Um, Crushed it, right? Yeah, I mean, I fell in love you- with it for damn sure. <laughs> and you know, like there was two things. There was one, just like the magic of it too, like getting recognized in that way was also like, I'm sure like uh, something about that was also great. But I say all that to say both my mom, who's been my guru my whole life, and my father, who's just a dreamer, um, mm. they've been not only supportive, but really kind of pushed me. You know, um, they knew early on that I had this gift, and their only thing was, okay, if this is what you're going to do, we're going to make sure you do it, like, properly. Like, you're, you're really thoroughly doing it. You're not going to, like, be... Um, half-baked about anything you know so since I was young there was a very kind of a strictness to the way I practiced and I come from a tradition of music that is really complex and requires a lot of work and like any kid when I was younger I was you know not down and would want to run around you just want to have fun yeah Yeah, for sure (laughs) but then once I hit like the age of I want to say within all that I'd have these moments though when I was practicing at home or performing on stage um of just like transcendent like moments of resonance where I was like oh this is definitely my purpose you know and and uh but they always pushed me um and around the age of like 18 19 something really clicked where I was like yo I can I always knew this is what I was going to do with my life as far back as I can remember but at that point it, did, it didn't feel like work anymore but I really kind of started falling in love falling in love with the process of what came with it for sure and i did i did want to hear a little bit more about because i know when i heard you when they they had you do the cover of pop songs you were saying that your style of music is difficult and people might not understand that they might see the opening of the tiny desk and you make it look so easy they're like oh he's just riffing he's just do re mi fa sola ti do you know but could you explain a little bit more like the training and yeah and the intensity it is on your voice sure um i guess there's like a couple key things that make it um as rigorous as it is um in classical indian music forms there's a lot of like we call microtones but just like between notes you can like really slide between notes and hit certain notes that don't really feel like they're really there and to be able to get a certain level of vocal precision you just have to do a ton of vocal exercises again from a young age um so that once you hit a certain age it just becomes muscle memory and you're not thinking about it anymore it's also a highly improv like improvisational form so 
when I do those concerts, the classical concerts, it's three hours long, sitting in one place, and about 50% of it is is improvising. So not only does your instrument have to be very, um, like, able and, and, and uh, you know, there's also a lot of, like, intellect involved and in being able to connect the dots and, like, what you think about, you want to be able to sing it immediately. Um, so it just, it's a complex form. There's so many different, very kind of subtle rules to it that you have to really take the time. And I had a point in time with the form when I was in college, maybe where I was disillusioned with it because it felt like this large glacier that I couldn't really like break down. Like you're barely chipping away. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, but I just kept at it for some reason. And uh, it was also my way of staying in touch with home. I was in Boston and I grew up in California, so I was homesick. So Carnatic music and the practice of it daily became my way of of not being as homesick, I think. Um, So I chipped away at it and then like two years in, like oh I think I get it you know um, mm. so it's it's something that's it's a lifelong process and the I guess yeah the biggest difference between like Western music forms and Indian music is um, those in between notes and how you bend them uh, but that's also why very young I was probably like seven seven or eight years old when I fell in love with like R and B soul gospel blues uh, I think a large reason that I did fall in love with that universe of music was because there are the embellishments and the riffs and the vocal kind of twists and turns that are not the same as Indian classical music but it was the only form that I'd found in the West that felt like it had a similar kind of thing and I was like yo that's that's also something I'm going to focus on. I love that and because it doesn't sound like you ever pushed your traditional root music away. Mm-hmm. I don't know I know like when my grandma would drop me off and there would be like she'd be blasting Spanish banda music or bachata mm. I'd be like, could you just, could we not? Like, I, I'm, can we just listen to Britney, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so did you ever have that time or have you always I... been very close to the root of your music? I've always been real close to it. Um, it was also just like my way of, of, of finding peace, you know, mm. since as far back as I can remember. I did have a lot of identity crisis for sure. Again, going back to the fact that, you know, I grew up in Northern California suburbs. There was no one that looked like me in, in popular culture. I grew up around a lot of other Indian people for sure. But I mean, to have representation in popular culture is a really important thing because that's what becomes aspirational. Yeah. And we had no one to look up to in that way. So I did have many moments of like trying to be someone else um, mm. in, in that. But the one thing that was a constant was always uh, the tradition of music I came from. And I knew like, even if I had a horrible day at school or if I was confused or it was chaos or whatever was going on, I could like come home, sit down, practice. And since I was like 10, something about it just really centered me. Uh, So I never had this feeling of trying to like dim that light. Um, I didn't outwardly showcase it. Like when I would sing at like school talent shows and stuff, I would like, if I was in fifth grade, I was covering like an NSYNC song. I wouldn't sing like a classical Indian (laughs) song. You know what I mean? Yeah. But... I would never like be embarrassed of it or ashamed. Mm. And then as I grow, grew older, I found my way of bridging those worlds together. And I think with this album with Siddharth, it was the first time where I was really able to celebrate like the whole spectrum of my identity without being like, here's a song that has an Indian section. And now, you know, it was just everything was flowing in and out of each other. And it just feels like a direct representation of all that is me, for sure. And it doesn't sound like an easy 
journey, but I'm I'm happy you got there. Is it crazy to think, you know, because you talk about representation, is it crazy for you to think that like now you're that representation for Indian kids like all over not like not only the U.S. but yeah. like the world. Yeah, now? I mean sometimes it kind of trips me out. Like we just did um, Wembley Arena in London on Friday of last week, and we sold that out. So that's like ten thousand people. Light flex. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and like the opening of that show, like right when it started and the lights turn on and you see the crowd and you see, you can kind of see people's eyes. Um, that was a surreal moment. And there's been moments like that. Um, but I, yeah, I take it as a responsibility. I'm very glad that it's taken me this long to get this, get to this specific stage of my career. Mm. You know, like back when I that Frank Ocean cover popped off in 2011, I was taking meetings with a bunch of labels at that time, um, but nothing connected. You know, nothing really came of those meetings. And at that time, I was desperate and I felt horrible that nothing was happening because I was like, "Yo, I want to be a star." Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, it and then you want it now when you're young, you're like, it needs to happen now. Yeah, you know, and, like, and you realize like the more you chase something like that, it's going to keep running away from you. Mm-hmm. And it happens when it's supposed to. And I understand now that at that time I had no clue of who I was, you know, mm-hmm. so much as so much of, of my identity was still hidden from me. I had so much work to do, not only artistically, but just as a, as a person um, to understand the spectrum of who I was. And I'm incredibly blessed that my fame first came in the country that uh, like my motherland you know what I mean because that really in a profound way allowed me to reconnect with who I was or not even reconnect just connect you know up until I started living there India was a place that my parents were from and I'd go there every summer to do music and visit family you know so I I was always seeing it through their lens Um, but once I really started to plant my feet over there it became my my place um and that came with so much i mean it wasn't always easy um but it came with so much realization and and acceptance and now you know um at the ripe age of 33 uh the young age yeah, okay exactly. it's the young age <laughs> I, I feel like um what's happening now i'm ready to really wear the responsibility of representation on my back with pride for sure and you know what you want to say now mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing about age every, every, like when you're younger you're like i need to be a star right now it needs to happen yep. you know but then when it happens when you're older you're like I'm so much mature. Yeah. I know what who I am. And it's and- message first. Instead of like, I'm not chasing stardom anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I have something to say. And that takes priority over everything else. I love that. And again, if you're just listening, um, we are here in the studio uh, with uh, the uh, viral <laughs> Tiny <laughs> Desk Tiny Desk viral legend. If you haven't seen it, it is out now. Um, and you're new album your english language album siddharth comes out next friday it's actually out now on august 25th august 25th now. yeah okay yeah yeah that's... so it's out august 25th uh make sure to catch that where can people catch you at like um, instagram twitter everywhere i'm on i mean you already have a lot of followers but i'm just on in case. threads now too <laughs> okay. we're everywhere for sure <laughs> just at sid sriram s-i-d-s-r-i-r-a-m and we're gonna uh close out with your song do the dance and before you go, could you let us know uh, a little bit about this song and the inspiration for it? Sure, yeah. This is the first single we, re- we released off the album. And the song is really about uh, one search for home uh, and, you know, the understanding or the realization that home is not necessarily a physical place, but really a collection of moments of people, um, memories, 
just a lot of intangibles and you know coming to terms with that and being at peace with that and really celebrating it um so let's do the dance and it feels like in song it's like a warm hug in song form so yeah here's do the dance i love that thank you so much sid sriram for coming in and here's a song it's folklore radio <laughs> <laughs> 